How's everybody doing this morning? How's your brackets doing? Anybody? Anybody? Wow. Hey, thank you so much for being here today. My name is Jason, pastor here at the, at the church, and we're just so thrilled that you're here. Um, we believe that amazing things happen in your life and in your family when you are part of a church, and so thank you for being here today. This is an exciting day, uh, and we'll get to all of that in just a few minutes, all right? I'll try not to get ahead of myself. In 1971, a wealthy alum made a donation of a million dollars to the University of Oregon to build a running track made with a new technology of polyurethane. The Oregon men's track coach and the future men's Olympic track coach was named Bill Bowerman, who also happened to be friends and business partners with Phil Knight, who was just getting ready to produce the first edition of Nike track shoes. Bowerman was a mad artist. He was constantly tinkering and experimenting with new shoe designs and with technology, and it was the polyurethane track that was dominating his mind because he loved the new technology, but he also noticed that his runners were not able to take advantage of the new technology because of the bottoms of their shoes, so they were not getting the full benefit. Now, even though shoe designs were being constantly produced and created by the big companies at the time, by Adidas and Puma, and now newcomer Nike. The sole of a shoe, the outer sole of a shoe, had not been updated since the Great Depression. And this was the thought that was going around in Bowerman's mind, is like, there, there, has to be, there has to be something. He just didn't know what it was. So the following week, Bowerman is sitting at breakfast with his wife, and he looks up, and sees something that had been there forever, but in that moment, it was an inspiration. It was life-changing. He looks over on the counter, and he sees his wife's waffle maker. And it was, the, it was the waffle grid pattern that got his attention, and so he jumped up from the table, scaring his wife. He unplugs the waffle maker, runs out to the garage, and fills it with urethane, and heats it up, and didn't work. It broke the waffle maker, it sealed it shut. So he immediately gets in his car and he runs to the store and he buys a brand new waffle maker and he takes that home and he fills it with plaster and while technically it worked, it wasn't exactly what he was going for and so he goes and finds some sheet metal and he punches holes in the sheet metal to create a waffle-like texture. He finds a rubber manufacturer, he takes the sheet metal to a rubber manufacturer, they create two molds, he takes the two molds, he sews them to the bottom of a pair of running shoes, and he hands them to one of his students and runners at the University of Oregon, and it worked. Running times improved, they began to go down, and Bowerman knew that he was on to something, so he sent the designs to his friend and his business partner, Phil Knight, and gave him the design, and neither of them at the time realized that in that moment, they were changing the shoe industry forever. We take it for granted, but in 1971, it was a breakthrough technology, and that's how breakthroughs and industry-changing inventions happen. Part luck, part madness, part experimentation, part obsession, 
and someone sees the same thing that everybody else sees, but there's something about it that they're just not satisfied with and they know that it could be, it could be better. You know, it never crosses most people's minds that there's a better option. It's fine, it's good enough. It's how it's always been until it's not anymore. And whenever something better comes along and, and, and society as a whole adopts it, then we wonder how we ever existed without it. Isn't that true? Can I give you a couple of examples? How, how did it take this long to get the pill back ketchup container at Chick-fil-A? Come on, anybody. I mean, Wendy's is still using packets and we've got peel back ketchup containers at Chick-fil-A. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? How, I mean, we have, this is, this is life-changing, the peel back. Before, if you wanted to eat a large fry, you had to get seven ketchup packets and rip them with your teeth and hope it didn't get on your clothes. Not anymore. Because somebody said that's not good enough. And now we have peel back ketchup. It's a game changer. What about like having cell phones and smartphones? It never really crossed our mind that we would need to be available at all times, right? But now, what, what happens to you when you can't find your phone? You know, you drop your kid you're carrying, uh, he'll be all right. You drop your cell phone. Oh my God, did it crack? Did it, oh my God, did the screen crack? Right? Amazon Prime. Anybody? Come on. I ordered something. I tried to order something the other day from another website, and they said free shipping. Great. Seven to 10 days. I'm like, seven to 10 days? What? What is this? This is a communist regime? Like, what? Seven to 10 days? There's too many things that'll happen between now and I don't even know if I want it seven days from now. You're going to like this one. What about. Kroger click list. Come on. Any grocery shoppers? It's life-changing, a life-changing idea. If you don't know about Kroger click list, ask somebody, okay? As human beings, all of us are naturally resistant to change. We just are. Unless it's our idea, we don't want to change. We don't understand why anything would ever need to change. It's fine. It's good enough. Let, let Facebook or Instagram change the app layout <laughs> and what happens to society. I mean, it's a meltdown, right? Maybe at your job, they inform you that they're going to be changing the computer software that you use at, at your, in your department. Why would you do that? Well, they say, no, it's going to be better. We don't need it to be better. It's fine. It's fine. This, one, this one's aggravating. Your restaurant takes your favorite dish off the menu, right? And they say to you, like, oh, sorry, that's not on there anymore. What do you mean it's not on there anymore? Why would you take that off the menu? And, and it's frustrating. We don't like change. All of us, we don't like change. It threatens us. We like what we like. And in the words of the great philosopher, Vince Vaughn, <laughs> you know what happened to the guy who created fire? They burned him alive. Because <laughs> we don't like change. 
Interestingly enough, this is unrelated, but I just thought it was interesting. Did you know that, um, that the, the, first, the first man who brought the organ, the instrument, the organ into the church was killed? Did you know that? Because the church establishment felt that since the organ had been played in bars and saloons, that it was too secular to be brought into the church. Did you know that? Killed him. And it didn't take long to become known as the church organ, but we don't like change, especially in the church. We don't like change. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's another sermon for another time. Once something becomes normal, we forget that it always wasn't like that because it's, it's normal. I remember when Amazon was getting big and um, you know, people were saying like, oh man, Amazon, it's amazing. I'm like, why would I wanna order anything offline? I'll just go to the store. Like, I don't, it's fine. I don't need to order anything offline. Or when the iPhone came out, I thought, I mean, that's cool, but I mean, I, would, I don't wanna take pictures with my phone. I don't wanna take pictures with my phone. One of my favorite quotes is by Henry Ford. I know some of you in the room work for Ford. You're well aware of who Henry Ford is, but obviously he, he created the, the engine, the car. I didn't create the engine, but you know what I mean. And, and he, he, he's famously quoted as saying, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. They would have said faster horses. For the next two weeks, I'm teaching a series called We Can't Stay Here. Everybody say, we can't stay here. We can't stay here, and I'm really excited because I believe that not only for our church, but for, but for all of us individually, God is wanting to do some new things in our lives, some new things in our careers, some new things in, in our families, and in a few minutes, I'm going to share some really exciting news about our church, uh, but this series is not just about our church, it's about you. It's about you. It's about the new and amazing things that God wants to do in your life and, and through your life. And, and I wanna read, I wanna read a, a, a Bible verse to you from the Old Testament. We'll throw it up on the screen or you can follow along. You can, it's in the app and the sermon notes if you wanna follow along there. But it's in the book of Isaiah. And I just love the straightforward way that God communicates in this verse. He just he just kind of calls it like it is and just shoots us straight in Isaiah, um, in Isaiah chapter 43. And just to give you a little bit of backstory, God is speaking through a man, we would call him a prophet in the Bible. He's speaking through a man named Isaiah. And as he is speaking through Isaiah, he is recounting and remembering all the amazing things that, that God has done for the people. So he's saying things like, you know, and Moses uh, you know, or Abraham and then Moses and, and you were brought out of Egypt and you walked across the Red Sea because I split it for you. And when you were hungry, I provided, you know, food for you. He's recounting all these amazing things that we make movies about now. So he's giving the history of that. And then in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19, God says, after recounting all these amazing things that any of us would feel lucky to be a part of, God says, but forget all that. Forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I, God says, am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? And I love these words. I love these words. God says, 
I'm about to do something new. As a matter of fact, I'm already doing something new. I've already started the process of doing something new. But then he asks a really important question to you and me. He doesn't ask, do you want me to do something new? He doesn't ask, are you okay if I do something new? He doesn't say, hey, how do you feel about new things? No, he says, I'm doing something new. He asked this question, can you see it? And this is an important question because it clues us in just a little bit to um, maybe why we're not experiencing new things in our life. It's not because God is not doing something new. He's doing new things. It's, It's because we aren't looking for new things. The biggest challenge to experiencing something new from God is our unwillingness to change. The biggest challenge that all of us in this room, me, you, all of us in this room, the biggest challenge that you and I face to experiencing something new from God is our unwillingness to change. Now, I being a pastor, get a chance to talk to you and hear your stories all the time. And there's usually two tracks of people. There are usually the people who did not grow up in church or maybe there was this kind of uh, loose religious affiliation. And then there's another group of people who did grow up in church and inevitably in their story, there's always a glory day. Always, every time. And the glory day is usually related somehow to their youth group or their youth pastor or a youth camp, or a summer trip, or a missions trip, or whatever it is, there's always a glory day. And what is sad, but so normal, is that when you hear their story, they're always talking about what God did, but they never really talk about what God is doing. They say, oh, I remember when we used to have those Wednesday night services in youth group and the band would get to play and oh my gosh, it was just amazing. I remember we were on this trip and oh man, if I could ever just get that back. And all of us are, are, are kind of tempted at times to want to recapture something that was amazing in the past, but God is not in the business of recapturing things in the past. He does something new. The problem is, when we really like what we have or we like the past and God wants to do something new, we're not sure if we want something new. But that doesn't mean that if we're not satisfied with where we are, we would just be willing to change because we we want something new. Ironically enough, even when we're miserable, we don't wanna change. (laughs) Isn't that so true? You would think that if you're satisfied, you would be reluctant to change, but if you're not satisfied, you'd be willing to do anything for something different. But we don't really do that, all of us. No matter what state we find ourselves in spiritually, romantically, our marriage, our kids, our parenting career, financially, uh, physically, whatever it is, you would think naturally, rationally, that if we were not satisfied, we would do something different, but we don't. We find a pattern, we find something that works for us. And so here God shows up in Isaiah and he says, I'm doing something new. Forget about all that in the past. Whether it was great or whether it was terrible, 
Whether your childhood was phenomenal or whether your childhood was terrible, forget about all that. Leave that in the past because I've already started the process. Dominoes are already falling because I'm doing something new. The question is, can you see it? Can you see it? Do you wanna see it? Are you willing to do something new? Because if we wanna experience something we've never experienced before, you know how it goes. You gotta do something that you've never done before. And God's question in Isaiah causes me to stop and wonder and ask the question, how many new things has God tried to do in my life, but I didn't see it? I didn't see it. I think God is always kind of starting a new project. I think God has this kind of entrepreneurial side to him, this ADD side to him. He's just got a million great ideas a day. <laughs> and he's always kind of starting something new, but I don't know if I want to see it or if I will see it. Well, that's what the next two weeks are about. That's what the next two weeks are about. That God, God doing something new, something new in you, something new in me, something new for Hope City Church. And today, we're gonna look at a story in the Old Testament. It's actually in the book of Numbers, which means you've probably never read it uh, because Numbers is not the most famous book in the Bible. Uh, if you've ever been brave enough to try to read through the Bible in a year, you know, you probably skimmed this section uh, most likely because Numbers is a book about inventory and spreadsheets and logistics and, you know, unless you're uh, one of the few who's into that, you probably were kind of skimming. But in, in Numbers, especially as you get towards the end, there's some really amazing uh, stories in there about Moses and about the people and we're gonna read one of those uh, today. We don't have time to go real deep into the backstory, but the cliff notes is just that God has used Moses to bring all the Israelites, God's people, the nation of Israel, out of slavery. You probably know that story. Maybe you've seen the movie about it, Prince of Egypt, Moses, whatever. And, and, and the plagues, you know, the, the, the plagues were a big deal. The splitting of the Red Sea was a big deal. And God's ultimate destination for the people is that they would come out of Egypt. They would take about a two-week journey and they would move into the land of Canaan, which was nicknamed by God the promised land. Well, it was supposed to take two weeks, but because some disobedience and lack of faith, now here we are 35 plus years later, and we still haven't got there, but we're close. So the people are camping on on this side of the Jordan River, and all they've gotta do is cross over the Jordan River, which is not a big deal for God because we've already split a sea. So they've just gotta cross over the Jordan River, and they're going to get into the land of Canaan, which was the promised land. We're very close. Moses is about to die, he's still alive at this point. Joshua's gonna take the people in. But at that point, while they're so close and they're gonna cross across the Jordan River, there were some leaders from a family who had an idea. And so they decided they're gonna come to Moses and, and give Moses this, this idea, all right? And it's in Numbers chapter 32, verses one through five. And I'm gonna actually read this from the message translation because I think it just kind of does a little better job telling the story. And just a heads up, there's some weird pronunciations of some cities, so just hang with me, all right? Here's what it says, Numbers 32, verse one, five. It'll be up on the screen for you. It says, the families of Reuben and Gad had huge herds of livestock, and they saw that the country of Jazer and Gilead was just the place for grazing livestock. 
And so they came, the families of Gad and of Reuben, and they spoke to Moses and Eleazar the priest and the leaders of the congregation saying, uh, Adaroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elielah, Sabom, Nebo, and Beon, uh, the country that God laid low before the community of Israel is a country just right for livestock. Interesting, they don't say just right for us, but that's a separate sermon. And we have livestock. They continued, if you think, talking to Moses and, and, and the priest, if you think we've done a good job so far, give us this country for our inheritance. Don't make us go across the Jordan. Now, it's that last statement in there that really gets my attention when they say, don't go across the Jordan. And we don't have time, but you would have to go all the way back and you'd have to go back to Genesis when God promises Abraham the promised land. So that's why it's called the promised land because it was promised to Abraham. And so you'd have to go all the way back and you'd have to read about it. And then from Genesis all the way to where we are, there's these little snippets of how amazing this land is. They say things like that there's, there's fruit the size of man's hands, which I've got baby hands. But I mean, just imagine it's, it's big fruit, right? And, and, and the best way or the most popular way that they describe it is they say that it is a land flowing with milk and honey. Honestly, sounds a little weird to me and nowadays flowing with milk and honey. But in other words, what they're trying to say and describe is that this is just a prosperous land. This is the best land you could ever have. This is your dream home. This is your dream land. This is, I mean, this is, this is where everybody would love to end up. That is the reality of where God is trying to take the people. And so, you know, Daryl and Daryl from Reuben and Gad come to Moses and the priest, and they've got an idea. They say, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but they say, you know, we got a lot of cows and they like grass and there's a lot of grass here. We think we'll stay here. Please don't make us go across the river because we got cows and they like grass. There's a lot of grass here. And God has said, no, this land is unbelievable. Like, like it's, it's, it's the promised land. It's, it's what your great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents have told you about. Like it doesn't get any better in the promised land. And they're like, but there's a lot of grass here. And we got a lot of cows and the cows like the grass. And this is good. We don't want to go over there. We don't want to go. I want to read one more verse to you. This is skipping ahead to verse 19. So we're still in Numbers chapter 32, verse 19. After they have this long conversation with Moses, because Moses is like, for real? And in verse 19, they say to Moses, we do not claim any of the land on the other side of the Jordan. We would rather live here on the east side and accept this as our grant of land. If you're, if you're reading along with me or you're taking notes or you're marking something in any way, I would love for you to just like mark those two words at the end where they said, accept this, accept this. Here's my belief about me, about you, about our lives. Here's my belief is that we accept so much less than God has for us because what we have is good enough. We just accept it. We whine about it. We complain, we dream about something different one day, but we accept it, all of us in the room. We accept so much less than what God has for us because it's good enough. 
So my question for you is, what in your life right now are you accepting? Because it's good enough, it's fine. What, what, what used to be good enough, but now you feel this discontentment in your heart, like maybe it's not good enough anymore because you know that God has something more in store for your life. God is doing something new. He's already started. And maybe it could be for you. All of us in the room, when faced with the decision whether or not to change, to do something new, to let go of what we have in order to grab hold of or get what God has promised to us, we all feel this tension because it's unsure, it's uncertain, and we don't know if it's worth giving up the sure thing for possibly the better thing. But whatever God has next, is always better than what you have now. Amen. Like, like tattoo that to the inside of your eyelids. Like whatever God has next is always better. Always better than what you have now. So what are you accepting is good enough? I'm seriously asking you that question. I want you to think about it. What in your life right now are you accepting as good enough? Maybe it's a relationship with your spouse. It's good. It's fine. Matter of fact, it's probably better than a lot of your friends' relationships. It's good. But it could be better. But to be better would require change. And I don't like change, you know. I'm fine. It's good. Maybe it's a career that's comfortable, but, require, but, but it doesn't require your best effort anymore. And so, like, and if you change, you run the risk of maybe giving up a sure thing, but you know that there's something more inside of you. Maybe it's friendships and relationships that are fine, but they represent your past, those relationships. They definitely don't represent your present or your future, but to experience the new relationships that God has for you will require painful change. That's hard. Maybe you're not satisfied with your financial reality. You always feel as if you're surviving. But to experience God's best will require change. Maybe the change is some discipline. Maybe it's a budget. Maybe it's tithing. Maybe it's giving. It will require change. Maybe there used to be a habit that was not harmful, but now it's an addiction and you don't want to do that anymore, and you want to be free, but freedom will require change. It will always be easier to stay where you are. Always. It will always be easier to do the easy thing than the better thing. Everything that's good for you, you don't want to do. <laughs> you know? It's, 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 it's delayed gratification. I don't enjoy running, but I enjoy having run, you know? And so it's always easier to stay where you are, but whatever God has next is always better than what you have now. Whatever God has next is always better than what you have now. Can I say it one more time? Whatever, you, whatever God has next is better than what you have now. So my challenge, my, I'm imploring you today, my challenge to you today is, Choose what is better, not what's easy. 
Choose what is better, not what is, uh, is easy. This idea of saying that where we are and things being good enough is an idea that's been bouncing around in my head for about the last 18 months. Um, and it's been in my head and it's been in my heart. And um, as the pastor of the church here at Hope City, my primary job, just so you know, you may not know this, but my primary job is to, is to get a sense for, to hear or feel or be led by God for the direction of this church. That is my primary job. Now, I have other jobs, but that is my primary job, is to, um, is to figure out what God wants for us as a church and to lead us in, in that direction. And, and so... Here's what I know about God, and here's what you know about God, is that just about the time something gets comfortable, he changes it up. Isn't that true? And it's so aggravating about God, but it's so true. That just about the time you're like, okay, man, that was a crazy transitional season, but okay, we made it. God's like, not again, not another transitional season. <laughs> Right, right, and um, you know, but but I but I know it's not just something that I preach. I know that whatever God has next is better than whatever we have now. And so, for the time that we have left today, I want to share some his historic and some exciting news with you about the future of uh, Hope City Church. Um, my family showed up um, fourteen years ago, almost fourteen years ago, August will be 14 years that um, at the time the church was called River City Worship Center. And we showed up as the student pastors and since that time have witnessed God doing amazing things that have far exceeded our expectations, like crazy far exceeded our expectations. And so for the past 10 years, uh, my wife and I, our family has served in some capacity as the, the lead pastors of um, Hope City Church or, or River City Worship Center, whatever you'd like to call it. And after a lot of prayer and fasting and um, discussions with the leaders at the church, we are in, in, in unanimous agreement about a next season, a next step, because what, what, what I began to do and what we began to do is to say, okay, God, it has been 10 years. It's been a decade. It's been 10 years, God. And this has been an amazing 10 years. Not an easy 10 years, but an amazing 10 years. And so God, what is next? What does the next 10 look like? And so praying, fasting, talking about it, meeting together, uh, the leadership, the elder, the staff, we're, we're all in unanimous agreement that, um, that it's time to do something new. It's time to do something new. We could all, we, we all agree that we could stay where we are because honestly, just being truthful, we really like where we are. Like, this is great. This is the highlight of my week. I love Sunday mornings. I don't know how you feel, but I can't wait till Sundays. I love coming here. I love seeing your face. I love how we do this. I love the room. It's just an amazing thing. Um, we love the way that we have church, but we also, um, we also know that whatever God has next is always better than what we have now. And, and so our prayer has been, God, whatever new thing you're doing next, we wanna see it and we wanna have the courage to act. And so we believe that God has answered that prayer in a very clear way, not quickly. It's been months and months and months and months of, of, of work, but God has answered that prayer in a very clear way. And I'm excited to, to share that with you um, 
what we believe that next chapter is for Hope City Church. And, and so at this time, uh, I got a bunch of volunteers are gonna help me pass out some information to you. And I know that everybody in the room is gonna wanna kind of, um, is gonna wanna kind of read through this. If you can multitask, so be it. Try to hold off and we'll kind of talk through this together. But while they're passing that out, if I can have your attention while they're passing that out, I wanna say one thing to all of our guests who are here today whether this is your first time, second time, fourth time, I I wanna say this to you, that the next 10 minutes or so are going to be specifically about what we're asking everyone who calls Hope City Church home. And we understand that this may be your first time coming to church, this church, or it may be your first time coming to any church in a really long time. So I wanna be sure to say that you are welcome to keep coming here um, while you figure out where you are in your spiritual journey. As a matter of fact, you are the reason why we do what we do. The, the, the whole reason I'm about to talk about this is because of, is because of you. So, so as you listen to the next few announcements, don't be intimidated or feel pressured. I'm, I'm excited that you showed up today and I don't believe it's an accident because I believe that God, if you'll let him, wants you to be a part of the future of this church. And the same way we're talking about dreams for us and for our church, um, I believe he wants to burst some dreams in you as well. So today, we are announcing the start of the One More Matters campaign. One More Matters is a 24-month initiative to enable our church to more effectively reach the people we care about. And our heart is based on Acts 15, 19, where James stood up and said, we believe that we should make it as easy as possible for people who are turning to God. And we have just grabbed a hold of that as a church and said, how can we make it easier for people who are turning to God? Man, what, the, the worst thing that could ever happen is that like, we get to heaven, and I don't know if it works like this, but it, it does in the country song, so we'll just go with it. And God would say, man, Jason, why'd you make it so hard? I don't want that. Let's just make it as easy as possible. And so we believe in order to do that even more effectively that, that we, need, we need to take some significant steps. What we do now is good. It's really good. But what God wants to do is better. So over the next 24 months, we are raising $1.5 million to accomplish two dreams that God has put in our heart. And we're gonna talk more about the money in a second. But before we talk about the money, I just wanna tell you about these two projects that God has put in our heart and why we're even doing this campaign to begin with, all right? So the first project as a part of this One More Matters campaign we're really excited about, and that is that in September of 2018, this year, in September of this year, we will be launching our second Hope City Church location in Shepherdsville, Kentucky. We're really excited about that. This will be a fully functioning Hope City Church with live worship, full kids classes, a full-time pastor. The sermons will predominantly be a video, a live video stream of me speaking here at this location. And so when you attend the Shepherdsville location, you will get the full Hope City Church experience, okay? You'll get the full experience. Um, and so we, we believe that a, that, that a second location in Shepherdsville is the right step for us for several reasons. Number one, we have about 100 people in our church database that have a Bullitt County address. And so we didn't just like throw a a dart at a map. We started with where are our people, where are our Hope City people coming from? And a lot of them 
are coming from Bullet County. And so that made total sense for us. And, and we love, everybody's welcome here. You can drive in from wherever. But we do believe that at some level, a church should have a local element to it. And, and so this location will give an opportunity for those people to have church in their backyard. And most importantly, will give them a better opportunity to invite the people that they care about to come to church with them. Because there are some people who will drive 25 or 30 minutes with you, but not a lot of them. And so uh, now they can do that. Secondly, we, we have far exceeded the original intent of this building. This is an amazing blessing from God. It was built in 1974. It is debt-free. We do not owe anything on it. It's amazing. But we have also far exceeded the original intent. When they built this building, they never imagined this scene right here, Okay. And, and so there are more people in this service right now than they were in the whole church when they built the building. And, and so by launching Shepherdsville, we will create the space needed. Most of you are 10 o'clock people at our 1130. We've, we've run out of chairs. We've asked them to move to this service. Some of you have helped us with that. And so this is going to allow us, by sending families to Shepherdsville, this will allow us to create more space so that families in South Louisville can be a part of, uh, of the church. Number three, reason why we're going to Shepherdsville is because Bullitt County is the most unchurched county in the state of Kentucky. Um, currently, there are 70,000 residents in Shepherdsville. By 2020, they're predicting that there will be 100,000. We've already got a Starbucks, Panera, and Walmart. Come on, we're on our way. We're on our way. And so, uh, and so it is a rapidly growing community, really like all of Bullitt County, honestly. And, uh, and so... We believe that um, this booming community needs the opportunity to, to be shared the, the real hope of Jesus. And we don't wanna be a church that says, come to us. We wanna be a church that says, we'll come to you. And so we're doing that, we're doing that. Um, over the last 10 years, we have helped plant churches in Louisville and all over the country. We've given hundreds of thousands of dollars to help plant churches. So we're not sending a Hope City Church to Shepherdsville uh, because we're the savior. We're, we wanna be a part of what God is already doing there. There's already some amazing churches there and we just wanna be a part of that because if everybody decided to go to church, they don't have enough. And so we, we wanna go there and uh, continue to help plant other churches uh, together. And so starting in April, we will have monthly meetings, monthly uh, uh, meetings together. Uh, you can call them launch meetings, core team meetings, whatever, um, to help launch Shepherdsville. And, and you're gonna be hearing more about that in the coming weeks. But if you live anywhere in Bullitt County, Hillview, near that direction, it's obviously your choice. We're not making you do that, but we would love for you to be a part of helping us uh, launch that church. Maybe you drive around the Snyder and you feel there's something inside of you that says, man, I would really love to do that. Maybe you're in the Bardstown area. That's a no-brainer for you. Some of you guys drive from even farther than that. We love you. We're helping you. We're coming your way, all right? Um, so you'll hear more about that, okay? So that's the first project for One More Matters is that in September, there will be a second Hope City Church location. We'll still be here. I hope you didn't hear that like we're moving the church to Shepherdsville. That's not what we're doing. We'll be here and we'll be there. Okay, second project as part of One More Matters is that we, here at South Louisville, we are either doing a major renovation to this facility or we will be relocating this facility to another uh, location in South Louisville. And the reason that I can't definitively tell you what we will do is because we don't definitively know. 
and I want to be honest with you and, and let you know what's happening in the decision-making process. And so um, we are not actively looking for another location. We're probably leaning towards renovating, but we're also praying, God, if you have something else out there, we want to see it and, and we want to be willing to, to, to go there. And so our desire is that we would pay cash, do a major renovation here to be able to have a church that could have 500 or so people, especially in our kids' rooms. You know, a few weeks ago, we had 17 four-year-olds in the class. That's a lot of four-year-olds. One of the teachers said, honestly, we're not even teaching at that point. We're just hurting. Like, we're just, we're just trying to, to keep them together. And so we need, to, we need some help uh, with that. And so we haven't made a final decision on that, but we know that God is up to something, and so we're beginning to, to, to put together the process, figure out what that looks like. We are committed to the south end of Louisville. We are committed to the south end of Louisville, and, and, and we want to be here. We will be here, and we want this to be the place for the people that you care about the most to come to church, and so we'll be doing that, um, we'll be doing that here, okay? Launching a second location, renovating or relocating our current location is what we believe that God is calling us to do uh, at Hope City Church. And, and so in order to do that, we have to raise the money in order to move forward. And that is where the One More Matters campaign comes in. We're raising one and a half million dollars to complete both projects and we're asking everyone who calls Hope City Church home to participate. And let me explain how we're going to do that for just a few more moments together, okay? They're passing out two things to you right now. They're passing out a commitment card and a prayer guide. Just take that. Don't try to figure it out yet because I'm gonna explain it to you, all right? But they're gonna go ahead and pass that out to you. Make sure everybody gets one. While they're passing that out, I want everybody to look at me. Some of you have been here for years, so you know what I'm saying is true. Some of you are three months in, four months in, you're still figuring it out. And I hope you know my heart, and I hope you know the heart of this church, that we would not be standing on this stage talking about this right now unless we felt confident that we were being led by the Holy Spirit and by God. In 10 years as the pastor of this church, we have never stood up here and asked you for any special offering. Actually, we've given away over $500,000 as a church to help plant churches, orphanages, missionaries. So, so I, I, my prayer for months, but especially this week, has been that the Holy Spirit would help you hear my heart because I know that some of you have church baggage or whatever it is and just know that, that we feel as if we are being obedient to God and so over the next 24 months, we're raising $1.5 million. And in order to accomplish this goal, is gonna require everyone to participate. And I don't wanna get too nitty gritty in the details of it, but I'll just say this, that we are using a one fund approach. Everybody say one fund. And really what that means is that every dollar that is given over the next 24 months will go into One More Matters. So now, currently, there's different streams of giving, you know, tithes and offerings and imagine and, and different things. And so all the money that comes in will go to the One More Matters campaign. And so over the next 24 months, for everything that is given, tithes and offerings and, and over and above, we're hoping to reach $1.5 million, okay? 
Now, we're still committed to Imagine. We're still committed to our Imagine projects. So we're gonna be taking 10% of everything that comes in and giving it to Imagine. So if we raise 1.5 million, $150,000 will go to Imagine, which is actually a little more than we do every year. And, and we're still committed to that, but we won't be taking up an Imagine offering um, for the next two years. So everything that comes in uh, will go, we'll go to one more one more matters, okay? Now, what we're asking you to do is prayerfully decide how you can participate in this campaign. And I wanna explain to you how, um, how we can do that. We're not taking up an offering today, okay? This, the, today is not about money. Today is about information. If you have this commitment card, I want you to take this out and I want you to look at it. And I'm gonna explain this to you as best as I can. If you have questions afterwards, we'd love to answer them for you. But everybody get this commitment card and we're asking you to take this with you and to prayerfully consider how you can participate in this campaign, all right? The Holy Spirit is way more convincing than I will ever be. So my goal today is not to tell you how you should participate. You can see on the front a giving chart mathematically of what that takes, but on the back of the card, if you wanna go ahead and put that first slide up, please. In the first box, we would love for you to figure out what you normally give in one year. So, so if you look at your giving statement from last year, or maybe you just started something in January for this year, whether it's $20 a week or, or, or $20 a month or, or, or $2,000 a month or $2,000 a year, whatever it is, what do you give for a year? $1,500, $5,000, $10,000, what do you give for a year? You write that in the first box. This has nothing to do with the campaign. Even if we were not doing a campaign, you should be able to come up with that number. This is what you normally do, okay? If you need help finding that number, I'm sure somebody around here can help you find that number, but, but that's what you normally do, okay? The second box on the card is what you are prayerfully deciding to do consistently over the next 24 months. So some of you in the room, you're, you're, you're at the very beginning of the giving process. You're like, I don't know, I'm trying to figure it out. I just started a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes I give a little bit, but I don't know. Wherever you are, we're asking you to prayerfully consider whether you are just starting or you're a faithful tither. We're asking you to consistently give more over the 24 months and you figure out what that number is for one year. So if you were gonna give $50 extra a month, that would be $600 in that box. If you were gonna give $500 extra a month, that would be $6,000 in that box, okay? You would write down that number. Equals your one year total, box one plus box two equals box three. You can see that up there. Very important underneath that, times two, because this is a 24 month campaign. So you're gonna do the first year times two, and then you've got a subtotal in the next box there, and so you'll write down the subtotal there. Everybody's still with me? Yes. Okay, good. The next box, it just says one-time gifts or stored asset. This is just kind of a biblical model that we see where people would sell some land or they would give extra in the church based on a one-time thing. And so maybe there's something as you pray about it, you could say, well, consistently I can give this, but you know, I've got a little bit of money from a tax return, or I've got a, you know, a, an inheritance, or I've got a boat I never you know, use, I'm gonna sell it, or uh, whatever, I got something out in the garage. I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out a way. We had somebody in the church who had some like stock options from UPS from a long time ago, it was you know, a little bit of money, and so they're gonna give that. Like Those are just like a one-time, non-consistent thing, just a one-time thing. You would write that in that box right there, and then you would total all of that up, your subtotal, 
and your one-time gift over the next 24 months, maybe you're gonna do that a couple times, whatever it is, and then you would write down your total commitment, okay? Your total commitment, all right? Now, what we are wanting for this campaign is 100% participation for everybody who calls Hope City Church home. It's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. So it's not about one wealthy person writing a check and you doing nothing. It's about everybody prayerfully saying to God, God, what can I do? How can I be a part of this? What are you trying to do in my life so that we can make it easier for people who are turning to God? So next Sunday, you will bring your commitment card back with you, and then you will uh, drop it in the commitment card box that we have next Sunday. You'll bring this back, and, uh, and we will celebrate together, uh, together. Now, what's cool is, I just panicked. Do we have the video? Did we ever load yeah, that? Okay, wow. I was like, oh my gosh, do we have the video? Um, now, what's cool is there are some families in the church who have already led the way that we didn't want you to think like, well, man, is anybody gonna participate? The answer is yes, wow, yes. And we had some families who have already led the way in generosity in, in the One More Matters. And this past Friday night, we met here together at the church for an early commitment night for those families who jumped on board early to help lead the way and model extreme generosity. And we were able to capture that. And so I want you to watch this video and then we'll wrap up. So man, we're excited. We're so excited. And uh, my family wanted to lead the way uh, and we've tried to do that. Leaders in this church have led the way. We're not asking you to do anything that we're not willing to do ourselves. And so we want you to prayerfully consider and ask God, God, how can I be a part of this? To stretch yourself, whether you've been here six weeks or six years or you know, 60 years, um, if you would say, yeah, you know, this place is my home. This is church for me because this is a place that they made it easy for me to find God. And, and I know and care about people who need that experience as well. Then uh, if this is your home, then we would love for you to, to prayerfully consider this. And so to help you as you pray for this, we also wanna tell you one more thing, that you were given a prayer guide, a 14-day prayer guide. And this is yours to keep. Obviously, take this home. And for the next 14 days, you can work through these, these prayer guide, this prayer guide and different themes for the day that will help you just Pray and, and work through your heart on that. And this Wednesday night, everybody say this Wednesday night. This Wednesday night, we're gonna be having a time of prayer here at the church. If you've ever been a part of our Wednesday night prayer gatherings, that's what it'll be like. Our, our team will lead us in a little bit of worship. We'll have some different things to pray about. We're not taking up an offering. It's, 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 it's praying about the campaign, but it's, we're not collecting anything. It's just a time of prayer for us together, praying about Shepherdsville, praying about here, praying about Easter, praying about the people that we love and we, and we care about, okay? I have been waiting to share this with you for months. And uh, my hope is not that we would just stack bricks on top of each other. My hope is that you would experience God in a way like you've never experienced him before because you're about to make a decision to trust him in a way that you've never trusted him before. And if you have questions or conversations you'd like to have with me, I will take every one of those or any of our leadership. We'll do that to help you get the confidence that you, you need to take some steps of faith. And we're just believing that God is going to exceed our expectations. Amen? Amen. 
Hey, why don't you stand with me this morning? Everybody bow your heads. I'm gonna pray for us and then our team's gonna lead us in a little bit, uh, maybe one more song. Let's pray.